Welcome to The Paleo View. I'm bestselling author and co-creator of realeverything.com, Stacey Toth. I focus on being healthy inside and out through real life, food, and talk. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times bestselling author and creator of thepaleomom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Welcome back, listeners. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Stacy. I felt that was really high pitched, way more than normal. Hello, listeners. <laughs> um, that's not. Uh, that's actually kind of like an impressively deep voice. Actually, <laughs> kind of. I'm. I'm. I'm kind of impressed. I was not expecting. Now I'm going to put the how low can I? No, see, you're like, you have a way lower deep voice than I do. This, I didn't know this was something I could be proud of, but I'm going to add it, <laughs> going to, add it to a list somewhere. I mean, we'll just add this to the list of skills. That's all. Yeah. Put it on my resume. Uh, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm, so you know that I'm working on a new book. And um, I haven't really told anybody what it's called because it only has a working title right now and we're not going to, you know, set a release date until I've actually turned in 100% of the book because uh, my publisher and I have learned over the years that this is the best way (laughs) to operate when it comes to my books because we never really have a good sense of how, like what they're going to be until they're done. And this one is definitely not going to be a six and a half pound book, um, but it's, it's, it's actually, I think it's more than anything. It's just a very detailed book. So it's a microbiome focused book. And I'm at that point where I I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like it's, 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 I've really only got, I've got about five chapters that are half written, but there's like all the rest of the chapters are done. And so I'm like trying to wrap up these chapters. And I've of course left the two, two out of the three, like most arduous, like read three papers to write two sentences, chapters to the very end to work on because uh, apparently I'm human and procrastination is the thing that we all do. But it's, I'm just at that point where like, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I think it'll only be a few more weeks. And it's, um, I'm like at the point where I'm like obsessively working on it, uh, which is great. That's a great way to get a book done. But I'm, I'm just like, I'm, I'm feeling, it's that lovely feeling of like, okay, this project that I started uh, two books ago. Like I wrote two books in between when I started this one. Um, so I'm I'm really looking forward to being able to wrap this up and and have it done and have it go off into the world and be its own little book being. I have absolutely no way to tie that into our topic today. I was I was striving so hard, and then I was like. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't. Um, but I do think that it's a fascinating topic um, that has become much more mainstream. So I'm looking forward to you sharing the science on it and hoping that more people, not just our audience who will obviously want to learn from it, but also that um, microbiome and how it impacts our health is such an important Thing that is becoming recognized by doctors and all different kinds of things right now. I know even my neighbor down the street who 
is not paleo at all is um, working with her MD on improving her gut health. Like her doctor was saying some of her mm-hmm. issues are because of her gut. And so he's got her on probiotics and she's drinking kombucha. And I'm like, this is so cool. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think one of the things that, so I've, I've learned a ton of new things and there's actually been some like really cool, like, knowledge bomb, this kind of changes my world type information that I've learned. And we can definitely, especially as we get closer, we could for sure do a show where we sort of like summarize, like, what's the cool new stuff that we have to change. Um, But one of the things that this book has really done working on it for me is it's really made me just be like, oh, gut microbiome is where it's at. Like, this is everything, like everything that we do for healing. If we can't restore a healthy and diverse gut microbiome, like everything else is pointless. And uh, I mean, even the, uh, the autoimmune protocol already has all of the gut health things built into it, um, which is like great. And it's a relief <laughs> as I'm reading. I'm like, oh, good. That's already in the autoimmune protocol. But, um, but at the same time, like if there's severe gut dysbiosis, there doesn't really appear to be a way to address that without medical intervention. And so one of the things that I'm really realizing is that when people are not seeing results, that gut microbiome is is almost certainly like the first, or at least depending on symptoms, it's like in that first few like lines of, of inquiry for troubleshooting. So it's it's really been just just a fascinating book. I mean, it's been arduous just because it's such a um, huge field of research and it's super detailed. Like people are literally studying like one gene in one bacteria that thrives in one circumstance. And then there's like dozens of papers on just that one thing. So to kind of compile all that information, it's definitely been a challenge. Well, I am for sure looking forward to it, but I am also looking forward to today's show because (laughs) while I have switched to more barefoot type shoes since I originally went paleo. I mean, you and I were wearing barefoot shoes when it was not cool back at huh? Paleo FX. You remember um, that my first Paleo FX where I wore barefoot shoes the whole time? percent remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and we were doing something fashionable and I was like, those are the shoes you're going to be wearing. You're like, absolutely. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. You mocked me. I wore them with a little black dress. I totally yes, did. I did. You. Yes. You, you mocked me um, ruthlessly is actually what <laughs> happened. I'm still a little bit, I'm a little bit like I'm, I'm feeling a little like curl up in the fetal position just at the memory right now. Oh, it, must have, <laughs> it couldn't have been that bad. We're still here. Oh, uh, true. Um, so I would say what's, what is interesting to me is I kind of had a full circle with it. I, I myself did the like really, um, barefoot experience early on. And then I moved to a more CrossFit friendly type, um, not barefoot, but what do they call them when they're like, like a natural move? Yeah. Yeah. Rather than a minimalist shoe. Yeah. 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 And then what was interesting is when I picked up paddle boarding, um, or supping it, what I needed a barefoot shoe again. And one of the brands that I looked into and ended up getting is Zero Shoes, which is our 
podcast sponsor for today. Um, and they're a brand that I personally use and love. I specifically love them for supping, uh, because I can transition from the land to the water to, um, on the board and still like feel everything that's happening. But Uh, can I, can I pause you for a second and ask what on earth is supping? Stand up paddle boarding. Stand up paddle board. It's, so is it sup? about this. Yes. Is it sup. A sup, 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 but it's like a PB. It's like a S-U-P-B and you're saying sup, sup, supping, it's, sup, sup, bing. It's just S-U-P. Sup. Okay. Excellent. Stand now I'm caught up. up. Paddle. I'm caught up. Yeah. Okay. Unpause. Go. <laughs> well, I apologize, listeners. I thought we'd we'd discuss this when we when I talked about this was the thing that I was doing this summer. But so I I totally got the words paddleboarding. I understood those words, and I understood and I understood it in the context of your newfound hobby and the heroics of Matt saving the paddleboard from flying <laughs> off the roof rack. Totally. So like all of that context came, but I could not make the leap to the acronym. That's all I'm saying. No problem. Okay. Well, anyway, um, I I fell in love with zero shoes and barefoot shoes again when I started stand-up paddleboarding. And <laughs> um, Matt has also transitioned into a lot more barefoot-wearing type shoes as a result of me kind of doing this research. And so I love that we're going to talk more about why these type of shoes are so beneficial. The other thing that I'll mention as to why it's like important for me, um, is I've noticed a huge difference in my back. If I wear shoes that have any sort of heel to them at all. And so even when I'm doing fancy events, um, while I'm not so brave as to, (laughs) as to wear the type of shoes that you wore years and years ago, um, which are for sure super good for your, your feet, your posture, all that kind of stuff. Um, I am much more aware of, alignment and, you know, the, the shoes and how it affects, um, my pain and thus, you know, overall health. So I am excited to personally dive into this topic with you. Yeah, I am too. And in part because I have fallen in love with zero shoes. I own four pairs. Um, but also because like the barefoot movement thing for me has been this like adjunct, Along with my health journey, I actually started um, my sort of search for the perfect pair of barefoot shoes when I got a treadmill desk, which um, was, I think, right around the time um, the Paleo Approach came out. So about four years ago. Yeah. Four years ago? Yeah. So it would be right around that time. And I I was... um, not feeling good after that book came out. And one of the things that I was doing to try to find more energy was incorporating more movement into my work. And my, um, I was walking on a treadmill and because I was like at home, I didn't want to wear shoes inside, but the bottom of my feet were getting really, really sore from the texture of the treadmill, uh, belt. And so that was my, my beginning into, wanting shoes that sort of felt like I was barefoot, but that actually protected the bottom of my, of my feet. And over the years, I've probably owned a dozen different, um, barefoot shoes, different brands, running shoes, sandals, uh, ballet flats, those types of things. 
And uh, when I discovered Zero Shoes was actually at um, the Ancestral Health Symposium in uh, in Boulder, Colorado, which was two, two, just over two years ago. And uh, I... I had I had a pair of like ballet flats that were um you know like my my thing is if I can squish this shoe into a ball I'm going to call this a barefoot shoe. So I look for that sort of flexibility in the sole. And on the second day just you know walking around campus and uh yes I will admit playing some Pokemon Go. It was sort of a new cool thing back then and Yes, I still play, but that is beside the point. Um, I, 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 love, I love that you think that there was ever a point where it was cool. Like it was, it was, I mean, it was really cool the first few months. Everybody <laughs> played. Everybody played. Um, I know a lot of people who played back then who have like fallen off. Um, yeah. So, uh, hey, listeners, if you want a Pokemon Go friend code, uh, just like message me on Instagram. Um, so, you know, throwing that out there. <laughs> there's like three people that listen to this podcast who play Pokemon Go, but it's fine. I think there's more than that. I have a couple of neighborhood friends who still do. I, I just would never categorize it as cool. I myself also played. <laughs> I, I was not trying to embarrass you um, like I evidently did at Paleo FX. <laughs> um, no, hey, I, I own my Pokemon Go-ness and it's fine. Um, I enjoy it. I'm trying to collect them all. So there you go. Um, so I, but anyways, I, I was walking a lot and I got really bad blisters from these shoes that I had owned for a long time. Like it kind of like surprised me. And, um, Steven from zero shoes was in, they didn't, Ancestral Health Symposium only ever has like a handful of vendors. It's not a huge conference. There's maybe 300 people there, but he had uh, a little a table and it's a bunch of shoes. And I ended up buying a pair of um, Zero Shoes sandals, um, the the Z-Trek sandals, at that conference to wear because my feet were so sore. And they literally saved the day. They were like all of a sudden I was like, no, it's okay. I've got this. Like, it's fine. I'll be, I'll be okay. And so now basically – Every time I go to a conference and Stephen from Zero Shoes is there, I like hang out and see what he has is new. And I always end up coming home with an extra pair of shoes. Um, and so that's also how I have like two pairs of sandals, a pair of running shoes and a pair of hiking boots. Uh, Zero Shoes also does some sort of like casual shoes. I don't own any of those yet, but they are on the wish list. Um, but I, I've just become like I, I literally once I discovered Zero Shoes, they're so innovative there's certain things and i've had these like long dorky conversations with steven before if you go to the zero shoes website and like look at the additional information that they have and all the videos steven is the guy in the videos and um we've had these like long dorky conversations because i didn't need when i when i found zero shoes i was already i'd already been wearing barefoot and minimalist shoes for years i'd already transitioned it was already my normal footwear it was already my preference and so I was able to look at his shoes and see how different they were from other shoes. He's got some like really cool things like where on the running shoes, there's like this extra tab on the side that the laces hook into that actually allows you to tighten the shoe, not just where the laces are, but tighten the shoe like around the whole foot. It's very different than any other running shoe. And 
you know, we'd have this whole conversation and she'd be like, yeah, you know, when I, when I told them that I wanted to do this, they told me I was crazy and nobody had ever done it before, but here it is. I was like, well, yeah, this is like genius because it means that the shoe fits your foot exactly right, which is a big part of if you're going to wear barefoot shoes, the whole idea behind a barefoot shoe is that your foot can move as naturally as if it's barefoot, but you have protection to protect your foot from sharp objects, from exposure, right? Your foot's not going to get dirty, right? That you have that actual protection. So how do you get that protection and still give your foot all of that ability to move and get biofeedback from the ground? Like all of that's really amazing. And we'll talk about why that's important in this podcast. But what I found the reason why I've just become such a huge fan of zero shoes is that they have ways of achieving that with their materials and with their design that I have not seen in any other barefoot or minimalist shoe. And I think it's really, really exciting. So hence I'm not like a super shoe person. So me owning four pairs of like one kind of shoe is like a really big deal. Stacy, you probably have like, I'm, I'm assuming you are a shoe person and you've got a closet just for shoes. You know, before my back injury, I really was a shoe person, and now I've had to be—I have to have become a minimalist as far as the kinds of shoes that I wear. Um, and so, I do have a pair of Zero Shoe. Um, what did you call them? Like everyday shoes is like, what what I would. Yeah, call them. like like he has. I would call them casual shoes. Like I don't think Zero does not yet make. Um, like a dress casual shoe right, yet. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't wear them to work, but I do on the weekends. And then I actually have two pairs um, that I oscillate back and forth with in the summertime and when I'm paddleboarding and that kind of stuff. And then Matt actually has two pairs as well. So he got like a boot um, that he hasn't really worn yet. And then he has just the everyday walking shoes that he really loves. So... Um, I think we've we've made our point. I think what I would say, Sarah, you referred to checking out the information about that special soul that they have, the mm-hmm. feel true soul, um, is what I really, I personally love. I've tried a lot of different barefoot shoes, and sometimes it's a little too much um, in terms of like feeling the rock and stuff like that on the ground. Um, and I, I love the natural feel of these and how you can feel what's under you, but without feeling like it's kind of hurting your feet. Um, so if you wanted to check out that information, zero is spelled with an X. So X E R O shoes.com slash the paleo view. Uh, and you can go check out all that information and videos and stuff that Sarah mentioned. So I I'm fascinated because um, I just pulled up. I was remembering that Matt told this story on the blog when we first started wearing barefoot shoes, him in particular, because uh, I was still wearing regular like heel shoes to the office back then. And in 2011, he wrote a post called Why LeBron is Indestructible on our blog. And he talked about the fact that LeBron, who grew up without money learned to run and play barefoot with tape wrapped around his feet, according to a documentary. And that is why he runs so well. Fascinating. And I'm excited for you to jump into the science of why barefoot shoes in general um, are good for you. 
Yeah, it's really interesting because it's almost like the scientific research has caught up with human experience when it comes to barefoot running. And there uh, are many, many studies now and even a few long-term studies that didn't even exist right two years ago. There's It's a, a very like new field of research that are evaluating the mechanics of running in different style of shoes and they're comparing barefoot running versus uh, what would, you know, in, in the scientific articles is called a minimalist shoe, but that's what we're talking about when we talk about zero shoes is a minimalist or a barefoot shoe. And, um, and also like standard running shoes. And what's interesting is that oh, like standard running shoes have also changed a lot in the last few decades. So they have more, right, the sole is shaped in this way to give you calf activation of blah, blah, blah. And the, you know, sides are titanium, whatever. Out, like they're, they're, there's so many sort of bells and whistles now in running shoes. But there is this, you know, pretty compelling scientific literature showing us that the more material that we actually have on our feet, the more that changes the biomechanics of our foot motion and our leg motion in what appears to be a negative way. So it actually changes our stride. It changes the angle of our ankles when our feet hit the ground. It changes uh, how long our steps are, it, uh, like the length of them. It changes whether or not the front of our foot strikes the ground first or the middle or the rear. Um, and there's a whole pile of different, like, you know, uh, sort of biophysicists who are looking at these studies are doing these like videos where they're doing this like measurements and these breakdowns of the stride. And I will not pretend to understand all of the biomechanics of an ideal like running stride. But what the scientists are showing is that the more material there is in your shoes, the more rigid a shoe is, um, th the more it harms the, the biomechanics of running. And so what's been really interesting is all of the barefoot running information has sort of built on this recognition that standard running shoes, tennis shoes, right? Those, uh, you know, workout cross, cross training shoes, the, the standard shoes that you're going to get at pretty much any shoe store or athletic store are flawed. And they're flawed because they're causing this adaptation in our bodies, in our movement, that is, at least the statistics are showing, are going to increase uh, injury rates. And so what's really fascinating is this now collection of studies that look at either barefoot running or minimalist shoes and are starting to compare outcomes with uh, minimalist shoes or barefoot running and regular shoes. And there's some like really cool stuff. So just looking purely at like the barefoot data, um, there's been some really, really interesting studies. So there's a number of studies showing that when you run barefoot, that it um, creates less stress on the knee. And with the, the idea, I mean, you have to take these studies out quite a long time to be able to get really good data on knee injuries. But the early data shows that that translates to fewer knee injuries over time, which of course is a major problem, especially for long distance runners. And so, you know, you'll often hear like, you know, people say, well, yep, I ran, I ran until my knees gave out, right? That's, that's a thing that happens is, is, you know, people, 
in their, you know, late 30s and early 40s suddenly being, having to give up running because their knees can't do it anymore. Um, what's interesting is that there have been studies that show that if somebody goes and does barefoot running and then they put on shoes and run again, that they're, the learning that happens in the barefoot running can actually uh, persist into running with conventional shoes. So there's some sort of like retraining that happens biomechanically and neuromuscularly when we're, we're moving barefoot. Um, I'll talk about walking studies um, in this podcast as well. And that that learning can actually translate. So what, what those studies are showing is that if you do some activity barefoot or minimalist shoes, even if you do have to wear, you know, that nice pair of, uh, you know, dress casual shoes to work, that your movement is still going to be better movement because of all of the time you spend moving in a barefoot or barefoot shoe. So that's actually really cool stuff too. Um, so there's studies showing a lower risk of ankle sprains uh, in barefoot runners, and that's probably due to the neuromuscular feedback. So because you in a, in a, when you're running barefoot or um, it, it happens in, middle, in minimalist shoes as well, you can feel the ground under your foot. There's a lot more um, sort of movement of small muscles in your foot and your ankle that are, are compensating constantly for the sensory input from feeling the ground under our foot. And also what happens over time is all of those small muscles in your feet and your ankles will actually strengthen over time, um, either doing pure barefoot running or wearing barefoot shoes. And that uh, sort of adaptation, um, the way that the body... Uh, corrects for small changes in the terrain actually protects the ankles from from twisting uh, and and probably even decreases the number of times that someone might trip or stumble. But even if they do trip or stumble, they're less likely to twist their ankle in that oops moment, which is also really cool. Um, there's also studies showing that you can increase your muscle volume in leg and feet by training in minimalist footwear, which is very, very cool. And again, it's probably because of this very, very dynamic system when you can actually, you can actually, you have the range of motion uh, because you're running barefoot or you're wearing barefoot shoes to use all of those small stabilizing muscles in your feet uh, and in your ankles. But then also because your body is actually, you know, receiving sensory input from the bottom of your foot, which when you're wearing sort of conventional shoes you don't have, right? It's it's like putting your shoes in a sensory deprivation tank. But when you're wearing barefoot shoes, you're feeling the ground and the ground is changing. It's not always even. And um, all of that, those little tiny uh, changes that are happening, the small adaptations as you feel the ground is actually translating to increased muscle and foot strength. And there are certainly researchers who postulate is that that will over time, right, it will decrease the potential future need for orthotics, right? Because you that is orthotics are basically required because of, um, you know, collapsed arches from or other foot problems that really are the result of a, a lack of uh, muscle tone in, in the feet. 
So this actually has the potential to even benefit our foot health into our old age. So there's been some really, really cool studies. Um, definitely studies that look at injury rates, I think, are some of the most compelling. It's really important with these studies to look at um, the transition period of transitioning into to minimalist shoes or barefoot running separately from after the transition period. And that is because there is an increased risk of injury during transition. So during that initial period of time, it can last up to six months while you're basically training, training, your retraining your feet and your legs, how to move, right? Um, they're, they've shown that, um, runners when they take on barefoot running or switch to minimalist shoes will naturally correct their stride. They'll naturally start striking with their forefoot first or their midfoot first, which is the, the correct stride as opposed to um, landing with their heels first. And so there's a lot of changes that adaptations and learning that happens transitioning to barefoot shoes, there's strength that needs to build up. And so that there is this transition period. And it is important for everyone to know that scientific studies show that there's an increased risk of injury during the transition period and people wearing minimalist shoes compared to people who are not transitioning to minimalist shoes. But when you look over the long term, if you look at people who are adapted, you take out that that you discard the transition period data and look at that separately. Over the long term, people who are experienced at running in minimalist shoes have a much lower injury rate. So people running in standard shoes have like a 3.4 times higher injury rate than people who run barefoot or run in minimalist shoes. And so it it's a really sort of compelling statistic showing that there's long-term health benefits uh, to running in minimalist shoes. So to sort of like summarize where the research is at, um, there's really good statistics showing that barefoot or minimalist shoes reduces the risk of knee injury, uh, potentially injury of other joints and muscles. It improves strength and flexibility in the legs and feet and improves the overall biomechanics of the lower body. That includes uh, posture. That includes um, – it actually potentially even translates to things like better bone remodeling because of the neuromuscular feedback from the feet. Uh, there is some science showing reduction in something called chronic exertional compartment syndrome, which is uh, a type of injury that runners get where they get uh, pain and swelling and it, it can actually be disabling. So it's it's a kind of a big deal. Um, and you can also increase muscle volume in, in legs and feet. So not just strength and flexibility. Um, there's a study showing uh, increased plantar flexor strength, which means um, reduced risk of plantar fasciitis. Um, and there's even a couple of studies showing that Switching to minimalist shoes can reduce pain in knee osteoarthritis. So it's, there's some really, really compelling stuff. Um, interestingly, studies show that you will not necessarily be a better athlete. So there are studies showing it does not uh, improve athletic performance. But I think the you know this is looking at runners and it's looking at their speed running, right, time trials and things like that. Um, I think that the argument for better movement and, you know, long-term health and, and, and foot health, which is, uh, does become something that's very, very relevant as we age. I think that's a really, really strong argument for 
switching to minimalist shoes. I heard you say a lot of different joint things, but I didn't Mm. hear you say back and neck and all that kind of stuff. And I have heard from so many people that shoes and posture are critical to having flares of, you know, back injuries and stuff like that. So just because the science hasn't yet shown it athletic or otherwise, doesn't mean that it's not also helping those things. I think probably what the science shows as well is that it can't hurt those things either. You know, so it's like, I mean, those things would be included under injury rates. So injury rates in these studies include any kind of injury. Um, So if it was a back injury or neck injury, that would still be included in those statistics. Um, And I think that the studies showing that it improves your posture, I mean, even though they don't necessarily translate that to, is that going to decrease chronic back pain or chronic neck pain? um, Even though that science isn't there, your point is extremely on the nose in that, anything that's going to improve your posture and improve your biomechanics as you're moving is going to improve you know, anything else that's happening in your body that's linked to posture and biomechanics. Makes sense to me for sure. So do you, how long did you, do you think you took to transition to barefoot shoes? Well, you know, what's interesting is the idea of transition. I think it depends on what purpose you're using it for, right? Like if you intend to go 100% to barefoot right away, that's entirely different than, I guess, the approach I take generally in life since I did the same thing with food and kind of a phased approach to transition, um, in which case it's it's not an all or nothing thing for me. And that was pretty easy. I mean, I will tell you that um, when I first started CrossFitting, the idea of a more minimalist type shoe concerned me because I was concerned that it wouldn't cushion the foot and that I would have more joint pain, both in the knee and the feet, uh, because that's the impression that regular shoe stores give is, you know, you need this much padding for if you're going to run or you need this much for cross training or, you need, you know, and um, it was more the idea of the ankle support. And I had had um, one of my ankles, you know, years and years ago, uh, before paleo, I broke several times, uh, re re injury. Like once you break it, um, you more often break it again. Um, and the concern that I had was that with all of the jumping in the movement in CrossFit, that a shoe that has any sort of height to it was more problematic for my ankle. And so I ended up kind of just taking a leap of faith and saying, I'm going to give this a try, even though it doesn't feel like it's quite as supportive. Um, and it turned out to be way better for my movements than I had anticipated it being. And so from that perspective, there wasn't really a transition because I had never crossfitted before. So it it wasn't like I had to transition from one shoe to the other or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing, I guess, with like the the different barefoot shoes that I use that are sandal-like in nature were the ones that I was really drawn to because I'm used to something like a flip-flop and the zero shoes have this cool like 
toe loop and then they have an ankle strap. And so it stays on the foot really well, but feeling like a sandal because basically my whole foot was I have that exact same pair of shoes and it's my favorite pair of shoes. I wear them 80% of the time. And they're so cute. I mean, honestly, people have said to me before, they're so, these are so cute and I can wear them in the water and I can wear them while I'm paddling and they have a nice grip. So, um, those again, there wasn't like a transition because they felt like any other sandal that I would use. I would say the more difficult thing for me to transition just from an aesthetic perspective and not from like my body adjustment, um, is how to incorporate it into my corporate life, right? Like the things that I'm, the things that I'm wearing to work every day. And so the shoes that I have for work are uh, flatter, kind of like what you're saying. Like they, you know, I have ballet flats and I have um, different flat shoes, but are not fully transitioned to a, a barefoot shoe just because. I'm not ready to take that leap, but um, it, it is really important for me that I wear a shoe that does not cause back pain and back problems. And so I'm totally okay with the idea that I've had to essentially give up all of my heels and wedges and all these you know, cool, beautiful shoes that I had and loved for so long um, and have now transitioned to... Um, other flats and things like that, that I can wear in the office. Yeah. I, um, it's funny because I've been following zero shoes for so long and their, their line of, uh, casual shoes, like not running shoes or sandals is, is quite new. And I, I've been, um, basically every time I see Steven at a conference being like, so, (laughs) when's when when's the ballet flats coming and they don't have ballet flats yet but they have like various different styles of sort of like loafers and um and i feel like the type of stuff that i get dressed up for probably half of the time i could get away with that as a shoe choice and probably the other half the time i'd still wear heels if that makes any sense like um i feel uh i guess this says something about um society in general that there just feels like there's certain times where like no like dressed up right now is is like leather shoes and it's heels like it's that's that's what this this particular situation calls for but I you know most of my time I can get away with running shoes or sandals or something like you know something like that and I feel very grateful that I don't work in a corporate job because I can do that. It's pretty cool. Well, I do think that there are a lot of options for people who are in a corporate job Mm -hmm. or when you're not, um, you know, kind of like we say, do the best that you can as often as you can. And those changes will improve your health. Um, don't let perfection be the enemy of the good sort of perspective. Um, so if you are, for example, not yet um, using minimalist shoes for your non-work hours, that could be a great choice, right? Like yeah. get, get a pair and start using them in your free time as a transition shoe. Um, I'm thinking about things like, you know, when we 
go on vacations and we're walking all day long, either at theme parks or, you know, whatever the case may be. Like when we went on the cruise and I was able to take a, you know, a barefoot shoe sandal and it was comfortable all day long for me. Like those are the things that I think are really, you know, beneficial. Honestly, the other thing about the corporate job and the shoes that I wear there is I'm not doing a lot of walking. Um, Mm. You know, so if I were, for example, at my um, walking desk, if that wasn't something that irritated my back pain, um, it has to do with like the way that I hunch over. It's such a problem. Uh, Do you know what I mean? You can, you can have bad posture at a walking desk. For sure. And and I, and I do, and I've like, I've tried to work on it and it just, it keeps aggravating my back. So anyway, I don't need to get into all of that, but let's say I was doing some physical activity when I was, I had a walking desk in my office. I kept a pair of shoes like that in my office, but for the most part, it's not, it's not like I'm doing a ton of walking, so I don't really concern myself that much with my shoe. But if you are looking at getting something like this, think about what what is the activity that you're doing most often that would benefit you from the perspective of, you know, joint absorption of that um, shock. Shock absorption is the word I'm looking for. Um, or what is the thing that you're doing that would affect your posture? Different things like that that you know, okay, let me find a shoe for that purpose rather than, you know, thinking, oh, I need to completely overhaul all of my shoes right this minute. Like you, you know, don't let trying to, to do it all affect your ability to say, oh, I can't do it all. So I won't do none. Like you can certainly transition. Well, and I think transitioning is actually like taking time to transition is typically what's recommended. Um, I know that even when I started and I, you know, I have, you know, I was already working from home. I was already spending a lot, most of my time at home walking around uh, with either, you know, bare feet or stocking feet. So, you know, it, you wouldn't have thought it would feel like such a transition to transition to minimalist shoes. But the first few times I wore uh, minimalist shoes, I remember feeling like the bottom of my foot hurt the same way it hurts when I go like ice skating once every three years. Um, that, sort of feeling of that I associate with using muscles that I never use. And what I did sort of very intuitively as I was wearing barefoot shoes is over a few months, um, it probably ended up being about six months between when I sort of first started wearing them a little bit and then to where that was my main shoe type was, was minimalist shoes. And I, what I would do is like when my feet started to hurt (laughs) is I would switch shoes or take them off or uh, stop doing what I was doing. So if I was, you know, walking on my, uh, and working at my treadmill desk and my, my feet would start to hurt, then I would stop and I would stand or I would take my, you know, computer and go sit somewhere. And so I, I very sort of intuitively uh, would sort of go until my feet started to hurt. And then I would pull back and I would not, you know, I, I wouldn't push it until my feet felt better. And it was Um, you know, I wasn't really, I didn't have this like hard and fast goal of like, these shoes are gonna be my new shoes. At the time I, you know, was writing, I went, you know, I, I wrote the the Paleo Approach and the Paleo Approach cookbook at the same time. I was trying to finish up the Paleo Approach cookbook and I was just trying to, you know, figure out what I needed to do to be able to maintain my energy when I know now that I was having, you know, basically an adrenal crash and, and switching to barefoot shoes was sort of like one of those things I I did to try and 
figure that out before I found functional medicine and was able to sort of better um, understand what was going on. But I had so many other benefits from switching to minimalist shoes that I'm really, you know, like I'm grateful that I ended up sort of going in that direction. But I do remember the bottom of my feet hurting and feeling how, how similar that was to going ice skating. That was a, a very, very strong sort of association for me. Um, and so it was really interesting for me as I was like looking at some of the scientific studies that have been done in barefoot running and minimalist shoes to look at how researchers are really trying to understand this uh, transition period. Um, they will define it as it's it's a really sort of amorphous thing. So it's like basically until you are comfortable and experienced running barefoot or running in minimalist shoes. Like it, it's not really super well defined. It's basically until you're running or you're doing 100% of your activity, whatever whatever it is that you're doing with a minimalist shoe, 100% of the time in the minimalist shoe. And they, you know, very, you know, upfront say transition periods can last between three and six months. Um, what's interesting is, so the injury rates, as I already mentioned, are a little bit higher in that transition period. Uh, in If you compare injury rates in runners who are just running in regular shoes to runners who are transitioning to minimalist shoes, the injury rate is higher in the runners running in minimalist shoes. It's not actually as crazy much higher as you would think, but it is statistically significant. And um, studies that have really tried to understand that, they'll show that, uh, for example, if you had a natural heel strike stride starting out, you're more likely to have an injury in the transition period because you're you're learning part of that that learning process and that transition is learning how to have a midfoot strike or forefoot strike. Um, and you're you're if you do like a training program to reteach yourself that stride, then you'll have a lower injury rate. If you're just running and you're waiting for your body to kind of figure it out by itself, you'll have a higher injury rate. So there are ways that you can sort of do, you know, work with a running coach to work on that midfoot strike or front or uh, forefoot strike, uh, which is like proper running form. Uh, you can actually reduce the risk of injury in that transition period. The other thing that I thought was interesting was that um, there was one study that was trying to sort of decipher who was at highest risk for, for injuries in the transition period, transitioning to minimalist shoes, and it identified that uh, overweight people were at higher risk. And so that I also thought was sort of an interesting thing to sort of put out there. This was specifically looking at running, um, but that basically – the heavier a runner was, the more likely they were to injure themselves in that transition period to to minimalist shoes. And there was um, a paper, it was a, a review paper um, just from last year that was sort of looking at all of the different studies that were looking at injuries during this transition period. And it made, a, you know, this paper made a, a really compelling case, also summarizing the research showing how much running in minimalist shoes can benefit us. But the focus of this paper was really on how do we minimize injuries during the transition period. And they really um, sort of pushed for creating a like protocol for transition, which is really interesting because if you talk with people who have um, who are like barefoot runners or minimalist shoe runners and like this is a thing that they do or they're they're 
coaches uh, or, you know, they're like experts in barefoot shoes. Um, that's not necessarily a consistent recommendation. So, for example, uh, Stephen from Zero Shoes would recommend doing exactly what I did intuitively, which is to do a little bit <laughs> in your minimalist shoes, stop if it hurts, um, you know, and then try, you know, give your, give your feet a rest, right? And then, and then try again and, and really don't, like, if your foot starts to hurt, um, doing more is not going to make it better. So it's, it's really understanding that you have muscles that need to strengthen. Um, you've got some biomechanical learning that needs to happen. And those things are not just going to happen overnight. And they're not going to just happen by running more in barefoot shoes. Like that's, that rest period is really, really important for allowing muscles time to, you know, grow and repair themselves and, uh, allowing, uh, learning to actually cement, in the brain and in muscle memory. So, um, so th there is a little bit of a juxtaposition here, but this particular study, um, it's recommendations. It, it funnily enough, didn't provide a really firm time frame. So it had these like great little like tables and charts of like how you would break up your running over week one, week two, week three, week four. And then it would say in like the caption, we don't actually mean that this would take a week and we don't actually mean that this would be done after four weeks. So like we're saying week one, week two, week three, week four, but week one could actually be three days or it could be 10 days. Like it's just period of time, one, two, three, four. And then by the way, you probably want to have like 10 of these. So it was a really funny paper to kind of realize that what they were doing was they, they really didn't want to set a definitive time um, because they're also trying to create a protocol that is adaptable to different sports, to different training schedules, to different training volumes. But their, their overall recommendation was in the first week of having minimalist shoes was to do some other types of activities, not the training that you're doing of whatever sport it is. So like walking or just like hanging around the house with these shoes, go shopping with these shoes, do something that isn't necessarily the sport with these shoes to just kind of get used to having them on, right? In that period of time, you're going to make sure that they're not giving you blisters, that they fit your foot right. You're going to understand if, if you're wearing zero shoes, you're going to understand all the different ways you can adjust those shoes so that they fit your foot right. Um, and so they sort of suggest doing that at least a few times, right? So their their period one was like three like three training periods was in their week one. So they yeah, go out a few times and, and wear your shoes. And then they suggested reducing training volume. So you're reducing the overall stress on your body. So you're recognizing that you are demanding more of all of these small muscles by doing some training in minimalist shoes and that they're going to require more recovery time. And one of the ways that you can give them more recovery time is reducing training volume. And again, the study was really sort of mostly focused on runners, but I think this would apply to any particular sport. Um, it, I think it would even apply to like walking. And so reduce volume and start spending, you know, they started at 5% of your run you would do in your minimalist shoes and the other 95%. And then you could like every few days you could increase 5%, um, which is that's a very, very gradual way to approach it. Um, I think the more take home from that is to like that idea of reducing training volume in the beginning, because you're recognizing that there is uh, a different neuromuscular stimulus happening and switching them into minimalist shoes compared to the rest of the time. That makes a lot of sense. And then gradually increasing the percent of time that you're wearing the minimalist shoes 
and I think doing that somewhat intuitively makes a lot of sense, making sure that if you're pushing into foot pain that you pull back um, while keeping training volume a little bit low. And then you can start bringing training volume back up after a couple of weeks. So I thought that overall, especially when you get like dive into the paper saying like, we don't actually mean timeframes here. We don't actually mean percents here. This is more like the just overall trend that we're sort of recommending. It made a lot of sense and it was very consistent with um, this idea that if, if your uh, feet hurt or if you get blisters on the bottom of your feet or something like that. It's, it's not because, um, you need to toughen up your feet. It's not because, um, you, like you just need to do, you just need to more so you, your feet get used to it. Uh, it has to do with, uh, how your, your foot is landing on the ground and the biomechanics of your actual, your stride and your alignment and, all of the the learning that has to happen, the strengthening of all of these small muscles, the coordination that has to be relearned when we're not used to using all these small muscles. And that takes time. And the thing is, is anytime you're doing any kind of learning and anytime you're doing any kind of muscle building, rest and recovery are really, really important um, parts of that, that process. So, you know, taking time to transition makes a lot of sense. Um, this particular paper also recommended a variety of other adjunct sort of like exercises that you could do to build up uh, foot strength and um, mobility in your ankle and your calf muscle and range of motion. And it basically boils down to um, things that if you're a CrossFitter, you're probably already doing like rolling out your foot on a lacrosse ball, um, rolling out your calves on a foam roller, foot massage, um, they recommend doing some like cool, they're very sort of like physiotherapy type exercises. So when they recommend you put a towel on a smooth surface, like a linoleum floor or a hardwood floor, and then you like scrunch the towel with your foot. Um, but basically all of those, um, exercises that they recommend are strengthening things that will be strengthened just by moving around in uh, barefoot shoes or, or barefoot, if you can do that. Um, and, you know, recognizing that it is a, you're, you're making an ask of your feet. You're asking them to learn and to get better at something. And there's value in it because it's going to lend, lend itself to healthier feet and better posture and all of those things for the rest of your life. So it's very, very compelling to do, but that it is, it is something that is going to require some time. For those of us who aren't running or crossfitting, um, what is the science on just using it for either everyday activity or kind of what I talked about, like when you're doing more intense type walking activity? Yeah. So actually, I mean, most of the studies are done in runners and that is one of the reasons why I have this like compilation of like studies to talk about on the podcast that all come from studies of barefoot runners or runners in minimal shoes. Um, but there have been some studies that have looked at specifically at walking and have shown similar types of beneficial biomechanical adaptations in walkers as there are in runners. So even in a walker, it's going to change 
your stride. It's going to change the angle of your ankle as your foot hits the ground. It's going to change what part of your foot hits the ground first. And like all of those same types of beneficial sort of uh, corrections to the biomechanics of walking are going to happen in minimalist shoes as well. And there's actually some studies showing that um, like walking more in barefoot shoes may actually help somebody run more in barefoot shoes. So there's even some like there's a, a good case to be made for even if you are a runner or a crossfitter, like still wearing those minimalist shoes in other parts of your day is also going to be helpful. And even just walking in those minimalist shoes is still going to strengthen uh, feet. It's still going to um, increase like leg muscle size. So like all of those same beneficial changes apply to walking. It's just that like the injury data for walking is not there because people typically don't injure themselves walking at the same, anywhere near the same frequency as they do running. So you'd have to have like, you know, tens of thousands of people in your sample sizes to be able to tease out any particular difference because the injury rates are so low. But that's really, I mean, that's good news because what it means is that uh, barefoot shoes are beneficial basically no matter what your sport. Um, they're, they're going to be helpful. They're going to help form and function. And that's obviously the most important thing. Well, I want to thank you, Sarah, for your awesome science on this topic because I think it's something that you and I both do but haven't somehow talked about in the years that we've been doing the podcast. As I said, I think my my – my transition to natural movement and minimalist shoes was, it was just kind of like on the side. I mean, sort of the same way my transition to like green chemical house cleaners was like, that's part of my health journey, but it was sort of like a, it always kind of felt like it was just this like other thing that happened over the last few years. And it's not until I start really thinking about this as a, lifestyle that it suddenly you're like, oh yeah, like here, like I sometimes get asked like, what other things do you do? Like, it, it's just like, and, and we, we all know how you eat and that you like sleep and that you exercise, but like, what else? I'm like, well, actually, you know, switching to barefoot shoes has been like a really, really great thing for me. And I used to get all kinds of weirdo tendonitis <laughs> in my feet and I don't know. And it's great. So like, but but you're right. Like it's I don't think we've ever talked about this on the show before because it's always kind of felt like it's just this other thing. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I 100% agree. And it's been the same way for us as well. So good to kind of recap for our listeners. And thank you so much to our sponsor this week, who is the brand you and I are both using. Um, Zeroshoes.com with an X. X-E-R-O, shoes.com slash view. if you want to check out. Uh, do you remember the name of the sandal that we love? I am going to the website right now so I can tell our I, listeners. So the original one I have is the uh, Z-Track. Uh, the new one is called the Jesse. Is the new one with the loop around the toe. Um, I also have, I happen to have it on my phone and it's not that I'm like actually remember <laughs> this right now, but I, so I am cheating. Uh, but I also have the Prio running shoe, which I've had for three years, two years, two, well, I'd, 
like a number of years. And then I also have the fairly new is the daylight hiker. And I love all of them. Like they're the hiker is really warm. So it's a great like winter, uh, like hiking boot too. And so I'll use that for pretty much any outdoors activity in the winter. And then the, the, uh, the new Jesse sandal, of course, I, I do wear that almost all the time. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to fall weather coming to Atlanta this week, but a little bit hoping it'll still be warm enough for my sandals for a little bit longer because I I just love them. And all of my shoes, like all of them, including, you know, the ones that I bought way back uh, at uh, HS, um, they're they're all look like brand new, even though I've worn them a ton, like they wear so well. And one of the things that's really cool that zero shoes does is they actually like, you can just get new laces or if that little buckle broke, then you can just buy the new buckle for $3. So they actually also sell all the parts. I've never had anything wear out on any of my zero shoes, but they actually have like all of the little pieces too that if something did if you were like really if you're someone who's really really rough on your shoes um they actually have like the the soles have like a five thousand mile warranty on them which like that's like a car oil change which that's a lot it's like if it was a car that would be six months of driving so i it's like it's amazing they're they're so high quality that was just me saying all of the things that I love about zero shoes again to answer the question. Yes. It's the Jesse that I also <laughs> have and love. Um, and just for perspective, it's forty four ninety nine. Like most of these shoes are really affordable. I'm looking at the Lena casual, uh, shoe, which I could wear to work. It's currently on sale half price for $39. So I might end up with more shoes. Matt wears the, where did I see it? Prio for men. Um, that's I have, his. I have, I have the Prio for women. That's his like everyday shoe. And I love the look of the Pacifica and the Colton and then the Lena's on sale. So uh, the other one that I have that I wear for supping is the Cloud. Um it's got kind of this rope thing that you pull through and adjust on your foot, but I prefer the Jesse for what it's worth. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at that Lena too. Right. Um, that's, that's, that's a, like, that's just a nice shoe. All right. Well, anyway, listeners, <laughs> Sarah and I have to go do some shoe shopping online. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening this week. And next week, we have the show that we've been teasing or that I've been uh, talking about and teasing on social media. I am really looking forward to next week's topic. And so don't miss it. Tune back in. And we, of course, will be back. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. I don't know so how to end that. You just said we'll be back, and I was totally expecting <laughs> we'll like next week at the end of that sentence. We'll be back again next week. This show's just going to be full of bloopers <laughs> at the end. <laughs> uh, okay, wait, so...
We'll be back next. We'll be just be we'll be back. That's just the end. That's hang on. I gotta say something. Uh. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games.